We're on a mission from God. This is episode six of St. Longinus' Baptism Podcast Channel, part three, The Naked Cross, The Heirs of Protestantism. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Behold me, Lord. Do with me what thou will. May your will be ever done. I only desire what you will. I desire to suffer what you will. I only desire when you will. Into your hands I commend my body, my soul, my life, and my death. I love you, O my God, whether it pleases you to send me consolations or affliction, and I desire to love you always. Eternal Father, I unite my death to that of Jesus Christ, and I offer it to you in order to please you. Will of my God, you are my love. Good pleasure of my God, I devote myself entirely to you. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Okay, so when I left off on part two, I was talking about my Protestant foster dad. And uh, so, so to you Protestants who want to take the speck out of the Catholic Church's eye, but want to disregard the log sticking out of your own church's eye or your own theology's eye. If you're feeling a little self-righteous, I want to invite you to Google these following names. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, Jimmy Swaggart, Crenflo Dollar, Joyce Meyer, and Benny Hinn. Just to name a few. Um, just go ahead and Google them. And, you know, the, the way they abused their trust and the gifts that were given to them. And the next time you want to criticize the Catholic Church for having a few bad examples, I just wanted to show you a few bad examples of your own. The title of this podcast is The Naked Cross. And there was a reason I chose this title. If you compare the Catholic crucifix with the Protestant cross, you'll notice that the crucifix has a crucified Christ and the Protestant cross is empty. Now, I had a person where I work, saw my crucifix, and he's like, oh, nice cross. I was like, no, it's a crucifix. The cross is naked. The crucifix has our Lord and Savior on it. He was a little put off about, about that, but, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person, I'm going to give it to you straight, no chaser. Now, when I was a Protestant 
my fellow Protestants would say, we worship the risen Christ. That's why that that, that was their explanation for why the, the cross did not have the body of our Lord and Savior. Now, if your theology is based on cheap and easy grace, no effort to please God, no attempt to amend your life for God's sake, then you wouldn't want that pesky crucified body of God reminding that your sins, past, present, and future, put him there, and that your sins also were part of the beating that he had to take to atone for the sins that you're ever going to commit to give you the chance at salvation, the grace of salvation, really. I mean, I've, I've noticed that, you know, when the Passion of the Christ came out, which, by the way, is an excellent piece of art, made by a Catholic. Um, it, it's a very intense movie. The, the scene of the scourging and the crucifixion and his, his, uh, his walk to Calvary were very intense. If you go back to my introduction for the podcast channel, I talk about, you know, one of the, the scenes that made a real impact on me, but I'm going to make you go to that if you're interested in finding out. But a lot of complaints. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about certain complaints from a certain group that felt picked on, but I'm going to talk about the other complaints. A lot of people were complaining Oh, this, this movie's too bloody. This movie's too, uh, too brutal. Well, if you read what Christ went through during or before and during his execution, it was very brutal because let's be honest, people, um, you know, in, in God, uh, in Christ's era, you know, when he was in Judea, life was very brutal. I mean, life was very brutal um, before his era, quite frankly. But the Romans, being pagans, took brutality to a whole nother level. Now, I will admit that our secular society is doing its dangdest to try to be as, as brutal as the Romans, if not to try to exceed the brutality of the Romans. But what Jesus went through was very brutal. And I suspect what bothered those people who complained about its brutality was we moderns, we moderns tend to be very sanitized. Very, very sanitized and very, very sheltered from the brutal realities of life. And we, 
And here's here's the thing, you know, they talked about the brutality of the the passion, which was a recreation of the execution of our Lord and Savior. Now, I just want to comment on the cognitive dissidence of of that, you know, of that outlook that the the passion was too brutal and bloody. If you're the type of person who watches the Saw movies, if you're the type of person who watches the Halloween or the Friday the 13th movies, if you're the type of person who watches the Terminator movies, basically pick your movie from the past 40 years. Those movies were nihilistic violence. And I think the reason why people don't get worked up over the brutality and and bloodshed in those movies is in a way it's sanitized. Now, I know that's going to sound funny to you, but think about it. You know, when um, the Terminator goes into a police station, driving his truck into a police sergeant, and then mows down like 15 cops with a machine gun. Or I'm sorry, submachine gun. I'm ex-military. I should know better. That's kind of sanitized violence. It's not real. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, not, it's not reality. Um, however, and this, by the way, say what you want about Mel Gibson... I personally think the man is one of the best directors out there. You know, that's my opinion. Your mileage may vary, but I, his movies, and and, and by the way, when I say his movies, I'm mainly talking about the passion and apocalypto, apocalypto, his Patriot and, um, Braveheart movies, they had individual moments of artistic beauty, but basically they were ruined by his bad history and his even worse, um, his, his even worse uh, takes on the historical events they were based on. And by the way, as an American, I'm not sticking up for the British. I'm just saying that the British portrayed in the Patriot were more cartoon villains than they were living people. But the the artistry and the brutality of the passion was when you're witnessing Christ getting scourged, That's real, and you feel like you're actually witnessing the historical event. And as moderns, I think that makes us uncomfortable. And, um, you know, the scene of the crucifixion. You know, you feel like you're, you're right there with Mother Mary and John the Apostle witnessing the crucifixion of in Mary's case, her son, and in John's case, his beloved master. And, you know, 
one of the things that I've noticed in my life is most people can't handle reality. I mean, they can handle they can handle a sanitized, cleaned up version of reality, but when it gets too real, most people want to check out. Now, on a on my last note, I want to compare Catholic and Protestant art. Even as a Protestant. I considered Protestant art to be sentimental, cloyingly sweet, commercial, and banal, if I can throw out a five-cent word. Very, very banal. And the, the, the Protestant uh, praise and worship music, that stuff, I, I hated that stuff. I mean, I'm not a big fan of rap. I, I, I actually think that Protestant praise and worship music is worse than rap, is worse than new, new metal. Is, think of whatever genre. I, I'll put it to you this way. I think that commercial pop music has more soul than than Protestant praise and worship music. And um it's unfortunately one of the churches I attended when I was a Protestant, the pastor was a real big fan of the Protestant praise and worship music. Now, I don't know if uh, any of you are old enough to remember when throwing up your arms and waving them like you were at a rock concert was a thing. Um, but yeah, at that particular church, you know, they loved to throw up their arms and wave to Jesus. Hi, Jesus. And in some churches I went to, they, you know, there was no... We're talking about the creator of all creation. And in some of these Protestant churches, and I'm, I'm not kidding you, they would say, let's give a hand to Jesus, like, like he's a talk show host. And I'm thinking to myself, this is how you treat the creator of all creation? Like he's Jerry Springer or, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of some of the talk show hosts from the 90s. You know, Arsenio or um, David Letterman. Oh, let's give a let's give a hand to our big host or our big our big uh, not host guest. Let's give a, a hand to our big guest. I mean, it reduces. God to a sideshow. You can call me medieval. I mean, I've been called worse, <laughs> much worse. But I can't get behind that kind of thinking that takes the creator of all known existence and treats him 
like a Hollywood celebrity. Quite frankly, it sickens me. Um, I consider good Catholic art to um to be it will depict the joys the sorrows the trials and tribulations of following Christ but not only that it it does not hide the realities of life of the life of Jesus of the life of his mother of the life of the saints you know the life of everyday catholics it doesn't try to dress it up as, you know, some Hallmark card, picture on a Hallmark card, the way Protestant art does. Now, having said that, I will say there is bad Catholic art, but that tends to be of the Vatican II variety, and the bad Catholic art pre-Vatican II, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but most Catholics with good taste are going to they're going to know what's good and what's bad. But basically, my main, my main complaint about Protestant art is it's the equivalent of a Hallmark card. And I just, I just find it objectionable. Um, and the music. Now, in the Vatican II Church... You know, you'll hear about the guitar masses and and the uh, quote-unquote liturgical dancers where you got girls in ballerina outfits shaking their booties down the aisle. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either, which is one of the reasons I left the Catholic Church. Although I will admit that those kind of uh, abortions did not happen in the Vatican II churches I attended. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, I am, I'm truly grateful. I didn't have to suffer through it. But I have seen the videos, and words cannot express my, um, my disgust at these literal abortions. Um, but what I was getting to was they don't just have the guitar masses. They have actual praise and worship masses, which the only difference between their mass and uh, the, the service at a mega church is, is um, if you're lucky, there may be a crucifix at the center of the church, if you're lucky. But other than that, they're playing the same insipid, disgusting music. The traditional Catholic Church, and by the way, um, in the show notes for this episode, I'm going to list some of the versions. You're welcome to, to try it out if you're interested. But there's Gregorian chant. 
Now, Gregorian chant used to be what you would have in monasteries whenever they had a uh, Catholic mass at a monastery or for that matter, a nunnery. Both are basically the same thing except one's for guys and the other one's for ladies. Anyway, but basically what you would have is is you would have a choir of nuns or monks, depending on the circumstances, and they would have this Gregorian chant when the, the, the mass called for the chant. Now, in regular parish churches, you had what was known as sacred music. I will list three of the most prominent Catholic authors of sacred music of the, I think it's the 16th century, I believe is when they rose to prominence. But this music is some of the most beautiful, inspiring music you will ever hear. Um, You know, your mileage may vary. If you're the type that you know, that kind of music bores you. <laughs> well, there's not much I can say. It bores you. I, I, me personally, I find it beautiful. I find it reverent. And I find that it helps me to get in a mode where I can commune with God. If you're interested in what I'm saying... I have a Pinterest account called St. Raphael. Yes, Pinterest the app and my page name is St. Raphael. Um, S-A-I-N-T-R-A-P-H-E-A-L. Um, I basically, because, you know, anybody who's ever been on Pinterest knows you can only post pictures. You can't add, I mean, you could add comments to the pictures, but you can't really, you know, add comments or, you know, give, give information. You can only post pictures. So I've taken the pictures that I find inspiring and I put them on this post. So if you're interested in what I call the beauty of the Catholic church, um, you can you can go to my Pinterest page. Um, as far as the music goes, I'm going to list the authors and I'm going to name or I'm going to list the Gregorian chant. You can go on YouTube. You can go on YouTube and put in the names of these composers or Gregorian chant and you will get samples of this type of music. Now, I realize the tone of the of some of this podcast has been rather rough. But I promise you I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm not. I've been a Protestant. This is not an indictment of people who are honestly living their faith. This is an indictment of the theology and the founders of Protestantism.
I'm humbly begging you, please, for the love of all that's holy, please challenge your worldview. You know, get off the Pastor Jim Bob's blog that Catholicism is the whore of Babylon. And if you can't at least read secular sources to see if what I'm saying is true, and at least I, I in my last episode, I, I, I told you about Rodney Stark. This guy is a Protestant. The difference is, is he's an honest Protestant. He doesn't have an agenda. He's not going to make excuse for Protestantism or the incalculable damage it's done for the past 500 years. If you made it this far, I just want to let you know I am humbly grateful that you stuck with me. Um, you know, it couldn't have been easy. Listen to me because I'm, I'm not, I'm not a smooth talker in case you couldn't tell. I, I'm, I'm just a blunt person and I say things as I see them, but I want to thank you for your patience and your time. I really do. Because if you made it this far, then you probably had to bite your tongue. And I am, I am appreciative of that. I'm praying for you. I truly am praying for you. And as Protestant pastor Rob Parsley once put it, God loves you and so do I. God bless you. Have a good day. Goodbye.